Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fan's Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan the Fan bats around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Stan, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday November the 2nd, 2019, the bat around is on the air, and I'll be flying uh, solo as far as actually having a co-host, but in with me. Oh, I don't, I don't qualify? Your producer, uh, your producer co-host today. Fair enough. Kyle Ottenheimer will be with me for the two-hour ride from 10 to 12. We hope you'll uh, pull up a chair or lay in bed or sit at your office table. However you're so inclined. Uh, yeah, or maybe you've uh, tuned us already at pressboxonline.com slash radio and you're listening in your car on your phone. Entirely possible. It's Any entirely way that you're possible. connected to the internet, you that might be correct. with us. That is correct. Anyway, Stan the Fan, Kyle Ottenheimer here for the two hours. Let me explain what we've got for you today. Coming up, and this is our first Saturday, Kyle. Yeah, uh, without, without baseball. Well, without a baseball game tonight. Upcoming, forthcoming, but there's still you know plenty to discuss since oh, your last show. Oh God, but I mean, there's no baseball Correct. show. Okay, uh, Todd Karpovich will join us to talk about the Orioles' big acquisition this week. Pat Vileka. Long, long coming. It's finally, uh, it's, the fans have been clamoring. I think we are really excited about that move. It's turning the corner. I mean, this could be the next Hanser Alberto. I think that, frankly, there's no reason to think at the deadline you shouldn't be able to get at least a couple top 100 prospects for him. No question about it. In fact, the Orioles, as I understand it, are rethinking FanFest because of the great demand for Pat Vileka autographs. Well, I think you could probably just host an event at Dempsey's and then... yeah. From there, it's the same, then, uh, same support. Same you can find support. the same group there. All right. Anyway, Todd Karpovich is going to join us at 1020. Uh, we'll find out uh, what, what if anything, uh, aside from that acquisition, is happening with the Orioles. They did outright a couple people. And the Orioles, uh, it seems like seamlessly in the Michael Elias era, uh, like to leave open slots on their 40-man roster. Not so much for the – for the Rule 5 draft, no. but for picking up people on waivers. waivers. Yep. Um, it's similar to a little bit like the Duquette in a different manner, of course. Well, the Duquette, Duquette was thing was always winning. The Duquette thing was always about getting two or three Rule 5 guys. And, but know. at the same time, of course, their shuttle between AAA and the Major League team and their willingness to pluck guys from certain places yep. and find roles for them. It's a different, obviously, intent here. They're looking for anybody that they can find value in. Yep. That they might be able to turn around and, all jokes aside, not get a couple top 100 prospects. But even if they can flip these guys for a rookie ball arm, I would say that would be a net win for the Orioles. Well, Pat Vileka, I don't think, is being acquired as a, a flip candidate. Sure. I think he's more like... Hey, we see something. Not that this guy's going to be here in 2023 when we hope the Orioles are a very good team, but he might be better than Steve Wilkerson, say. Sure. I mean, because for all the excitement over Steve Wilkerson, sometimes exciting 
defensive play, he really produced very little the last three and a half months of the season offensively. No, and I think that ultimately the reality is both Steve Wilkerson and this new addition are yeah. quadruple-A baseball players and not real. They're 4A-type Correct. Guys. Yeah, um, no question about but it. But that's, you know, the Orioles are going to be meddling in that market for a bit. Yep. That is what it is. Uh, there's The bigger picture, though, remains hopefully the development continues. Uh, the second overall pick next year, while it appears as though maybe a first baseman is in play there, it still is talent that you're injecting into the system, so it continues. So Todd Karpovich joins us at 1020. At 1045, our, our friend Jim Hanneman, who a columnist extraordinaire for the um, Press Box print edition and the Press Box uh, uh, web uh, content. Jim Hanneman joins us to talk about his uh, most recent column about how he was okay with rooting for the Washington Nationals, and he pointed out that at one time, uh, as contentious as things are between the two clubs now vis-a-vis the Masson battle yep. over rights fees, uh, that Washington had to vote to allow uh, Baltimore into their market at one time that allowed the St. Louis Browns to move here back in 1954. And the big difference there, Kyle, uh, and I, I got to be honest, as a kid, I never quite understood, is that they allowed an American League team to come into their market, which was the same sure. league. Um, in the case of the Orioles, they wouldn't probably have allowed a, uh, an American League team, they, but they allowed a National League team, which really seems kind of funny now with interleague play. For, yes. You play these teams anyway, and it's actually a net plus. And ultimately, I think wise. that the, the the most drastic difference between then and now, of course, is now you have to be signing up to forego a large portion of your media profit. So that's where the Orioles, the difference between what National Washington was doing then and what Baltimore was doing now was that, of course, the Orioles were looking at the media and, and, and the overall rights and all of the advertising and revenue and stuff for yep. Masson that was then in conflict. So, But it certainly is an interesting parallel because it's never easy to welcome somebody in no. near you and say, hey, like we'll both be here. Now, one of, the, one of the things that gets lost in the Bay Area between the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland A's is, you know, many times over the last eight, nine years – the Oakland A's have talked about the idea of building in San Jose. Sure. Well, San Jose is in the Giants' territory, sure. so to speak. But the Oakland A's ceded that. They didn't get any kind of revenue from the Giants. They ceded that to the Giants about 15 or 16 years ago. Right. When the Giants were building their new stadium and there's no. not a reciprocity yeah. where the Giants have said, hey, go ahead. Uh, we remember when this Santa's happened for us, but yeah, now it's, yeah. Exactly. It's a different story. Adam Gladstone is on, and I, by the way, on your sheet, I left it because uh, he does so many things. I had it as a former MLB replay official. He, he uh, was the Orioles MLB replay official. As well as the Team Israel And coach. that's what he yeah. is now. He's working on some things surrounding that. And he's also sort of been privy to some of these managerial things because he's very movement. good friends with Eduardo Rod- Edward Eduardo Perez Great guy. who just got passed over by the New York Mets uh, and Eduardo Perez will not be the manager uh, of the New York Mets Carlos Beltran will as seven uh, is it seven wait a minute I got to get the number out here I think it's there was a lot six of out of eight of the openings being filled 
I mean, Beltran is... There the two openings left out of eight openings are Pittsburgh and San Francisco. San Francisco is supposedly down to Pedro Griffo, okay. uh, Gabe Kapler, mm-hmm. and... There was one other guy they were interviewing, and I can't remember who he was right now. He's a good, wonderful candidate. What are your thoughts on the Beltran hiring? Uh, you know, I'm I'm generally not a big fan of two first-time managers in a row when you've missed on one. Beltran is such a highly thought-of candidate. I think a lot uh, of like uh, the Astros when he was like 40 years old on that World they, Series winning they team, thought he was what they needed and he uh, he was like a coach right. on the field uh, and playing as a designated hitter too I think he's going to do a good job now I have not confirmed this but I heard late last night I was talking all week to um, Adam I was saying because I just thought that the way it was going that Beltran was going to get the job I said, would Eduardo take the bench coach job if they offered it? Because I'm sure, sure. Beltran and Perez are good friends. He said he, may, he might, but I heard last night that they've offered the job to Terry Collins, their former manager. It wouldn't surprise me that, look, Eduardo Perez is a pretty good role where he currently yeah. is at ESPN. And yeah. It's easier and less stressful, I'd think, to be the guy on the other side unless you're going to be a manager. And right? I think that would probably be the only job he would leave yeah. his current well, I, th- I was wondering if they might add a few bucks to it, but when I heard that Beltran's getting a million a year for, for three years, that's not no, Buck that's Showalter big-time money, you know, so yeah. he clearly wants to manage. But again, I haven't confirmed this yet, and I forgot my laptop this morning, so I can't look at MLB trade rumors, but the story is that Terry Collins is going to be Beltran's um, bench coach. Do you think they have on the? I mean, look, the pitching. Everyone knows the story. The bullpen certainly needs help. But do you think they have enough overall talent to do a one-year turnaround? The Mets. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think their turnaround is. Uh, you're not looking at the Orioles at 52 victories. You're looking at the Mets 84, 85 victories. Health obviously needs to be in your favor, but there's no question about it. Look, they may get something out of Cespedes this year. They certainly had two of uh, two really attractive young players in uh, Alonzo. Peter Alonzo and Mc- Jeff McNeil. Uh, both had terrific seasons. Uh, Wilson Ramos, while he wasn't great, uh, he'll know the pitching staff a little better this year. I, I'm a firm believer that if they had traded Ed- Edgar Diaz, is that his name, Edgar? The relief pitcher. Uh, that was so- no, it was Edwin. Edwin, Edwin Diaz. I'm a believer that um, trading Diaz I think the now. The rumor is that Beltran has said his ideal bench coach would be Terry Collins. Okay. It's not official at this okay. point. Okay. Um, and I wonder if Edwin he Diaz, did he play for did he play for Collins? Entirely possible. He probably he did. A long career. He probably you know? did. He probably did because Collins. I mean, Beltran was traded for Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Okay, so they probably do have a history uh, there. Uh, that would be an interesting fit if Collins came back to be his bench coach. You know, a lot of a lot of guys get a bench coach like Joe Madden did with Brandon Hyde, a young up-and-comer, and some really want the, the uh, Riggleman and, uh, you know, the older, experienced head. I would, you know. be, I would 
think that it, the correlation would probably like for a young first year manager, I would think you want somebody who's, who's been, been around yep. that side of it for a while and can yep. kind of give you some sort of counsel in that regard. So anyway, we'll go through that with the managers. Uh, Steve Darty at eleven twenty will join us. Steve is the chairman of the board of the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame. Our big event is coming up, and I say our because I'm a member of the nominating committee. Um, I'm a board member. Uh, That's coming up this coming Thursday, the 7th, at Martin's West. We'll talk to him about how people can buy tickets and who's going in. And then at 1139, you were right, Kyle. I did it on both sheets. At uh, 1139, 1140, Bill Latson is going to join us, and uh, uh, I reached out to Bill because he's going to be at the Nationals Parade. Even though he lives in D.C., he's going to be at that once in a lifetime. Listen, uh, Boston has now had three parades over the last, what, 15 years? Far too many. They've had more than that. Are you kidding me? They've had three for baseball alone. They no, did. I'm talking about baseball. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. baseball. The they've Patriots had those duck, uh, duck boat parades. Um, but they've had three in the last 15 years. Washington, there's only one that's like the first, you know. And after such a long time, uh, the national, uh, the the nation's capital has not celebrated a baseball championship since 1924, which by my count is longer than the Cubs went without a series and uh, the Red Sox went without a series. It's 90. No, it's the 90. Cubs went 100 plus. The Cubs were 1906. And then they made it in 2016. It was longer than the Cubs? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's a long time. You think it's Alexander Ovechkin still finds his way into a fountain somehow? Uh, it's quite possible. It depends. <laughs> I don't know the national schedule. Oh, true. The Capitals yeah. probably might have a game themselves. Now, wasn't that an oddity the other night, by the way, that the same night that the Nationals beat Houston in Houston mm-hmm. to win the World Series – that the Houston Rockets were playing, playing in Washington, Wizards. playing the Wizards, and they had the highest scoring game ever in the NBA history decided by one point. I think we need to investigate the schedule makers for the I NBA. I think there was something very People fishy going on Pulling some strings there. there. I think there's something very fishy going on there. Anyway, so our first guest will join us in about five minutes, and that will be Todd Karpovich. So of those eight managerial openings the Kansas City A's and the LA Angels in the American League the Mets Padres Phillies Cubs Pirates and Giants in the National League six of those eight have been filled uh, I think it's fair to say that the most unpopular one is in the city of Kansas City uh, where they chose Mike Matheny uh, the one who never smiles yeah. you know always looks like He's got his game face on and yeah. wants to kick your yeah. ass. You know, he never. Well, no, I've no, never not, seen not the guy smile. Wouldn't be a player's coach, I no, wouldn't say. No, he's got the Kansas City job. Joe Madden, uh, that we knew that three what is weeks Kansas ago. City doing like, are they trying to rebuild or are they still? Yeah, I, th- I would think it's fair to say that they're trying to rebuild. They, they have um, they, S- uh, the Aristides. No, no, that was Aquino. The guy they got short with Merrifield. Their They've shortstop's got, a hell of a player. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he led the league in season. Mondesi. Mondesi. Yes. They have right. Merrifield, of course, and that's about and Perez that's about still. it. And they do they have Alex Gordon or is he a free agent? Yeah, for all I, I can't even remember. But I, I mean, it's odd. I guess maybe maybe they have some prospects that are near 
the majors. They, if they had, have a guy was, like that, that. They're the team that had Hunter Renfro last year, who had a pretty good year, right? Was that? I thought he or was on the, the He's Padres. on the Padres. Yeah, yeah, Who's yeah. their Hunter? Hunter Dozier. Uh, yes. Hunter Dozier, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did have baseman. a good year. Right. He did okay. have a good year. Uh, and they should have Sal Perez back. He would but, think, yeah. but as good a player as Perez is, I tend to think of him more as a 90-100 game guy now, not 125. He feels like a prime candidate to be traded as a guy who will have a quality first half. His contract was a, a great the day he signed it. It was like $25 million for four years, five yeah. years. Uh, catcher obviously being in demand. I would think he's the guy that's going to get them a couple prospects in return. It's quite possible, quite possible. Anyway, Carlos Beltran in the National League now has the Mets job. Uh, Jace Tingler, I, I'm sorry, that name just doesn't I, uh, sound like one that I'm yeah. going to respect. I, <laughs> now, the big news out of San Diego is this. Bobby Dickerson has signed a three-year contract to be Jace Tingler's bench coach. And then I word is that they are also looking into bringing in Wayne Kirby. Wayne Kirby, I think that's uh, known that they're going to do that. It's a Machado, it's a they're, Machado they're looking team. to make him happy, and that's... Yeah. You know, yeah. If they yeah. can do that, and if they can, the talent they have. I thought the worst idea I had was when I heard Machado chirping that he's going to put in a good word to get Buck the manager's yeah. job. That didn't sit well with me. Yeah. I think that that's a recipe for disaster. I don't think Dickerson and Kirby are recipes for disaster. Well, no. Um, who was I Although listening if they to? Have Bobby Dickerson waving runners home. Yeah. <laughs> who was I listening to? Oh, I'll tell you who was Dave Johnson on the Mid Atlantic Sports Report yesterday. I happened to catch up five minutes of it late night last night. Repeat. Uh, Dave Johnson was pontif- not pontificating. He was talking about the possibility that Bobby Dickerson would be a great replacement for Tingler when <laughs> Tingler gets fired. <laughs> and then he caught himself and he says, the guy hasn't managed a single game yet, and I'm already putting him out the door. Yeah, that so, name is something, though. Yeah, that is an interesting name. <laughs> Set, something uh, behind a little bit the eight ball. The, uh, I think one of the best picks of all the managerial candidates was the Phillies grabbing Joe Girardi, which I've I... have never been a Girardi guy, and I guess... You're I'm not a Girardi. I don't know what it is. I've always just kind of been unimpressed by the way he manages games mm-hmm. that matter. I don't think he's ever, that I've watched, especially when he was with the Yankees, I enjoyed watching him make mistakes in the playoffs when it came to the bullpen mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. I just never... And maybe he is that good of a overall coach that that stuff can kind of not matter. Yeah, I think he's a terrific uh, manager. And I and I admit, that do I know for a fact he's a good game coach? I watch the talent he's had on hand and watch what he does with it. And I think he, they've always been – the Yankees were pretty much, after they won the World Series in 09, they were always short. A partner too, you know, and he. Well, they never had the. the CC wasn't the ace, if you will, but I think that I always relished watching the Orioles play the Yankees when it was Showalter versus Girardi because mm-hmm. I genuinely felt the Orioles had the upper hand as far well, as tactical I would agree stuff that they had concerned. The Yankees had an upper hand in probably the Talent. payroll, the yeah, payroll level, you know. Uh, but anyway, Joe Girardi gets the Phillies job, and a guy that they think is a, a slam dunk superstar manager. David Ross is going to take over in the Cubs. Um, in the Cubs, uh, big part of managerial. their World Series win. Yep. Uh, yeah. So there you have it. Uh, the two jobs still out there are the Pittsburgh Pirates, the San Francisco Giants, and it's really driving me nuts now. Who the third guy is 
in the Giants' pursuit. It's Kapler, Pedro Griffo, and Joe Espada. That's who it is, okay. Joe Espada. So that's a that's a um, interesting one because there's a bit of familiarity that uh, Farhan Zaidi has with one of the candidates in Gabe Kapler. Uh, he's not as closely identified with either of the other two leading candidates, Pedro Griffo, who's a catching instructor and quality control coach for the Kansas City Royals. And remember one thing, Mike Matheny has not uh, said uh, that he'd like to have Griffo back or he wouldn't want him back, but you'd think that if Griffo is unsuccessful getting the Giants job, that the uh, Drayton Moore and the Kansas City Royals would love to have Griffo back. And, of course, Joe Espada has his seat next to A.J. Hinch uh, pretty firm right now. Uh, so uh, those two guys have jobs. By the way, before we turn to tar- Todd Karpovich, one note about Buck Showalter. I'm thinking that Buck Showalter's position, I mean Joe Girardi's position with MLB.com yeah. and Yes Network, uh, might be um, grabbed by Buck Showalter. It seems like a perfect fit for him to take both of Girardi's jobs. Whatever he's doing, I hope he's happy, Buck Showalter. Yeah, yeah I hope so, too. I hope so, too, and I trust that he is. Um, but I know um, it's tough when you're aging. Um, he's still only like 60, 61, he's 63, probably. 63, 64 yeah, now, okay. Buck. Uh, yeah, he's but, 10 years older. But he's... Uh, when you're aging, it's not the, the chronological number. It's when you're perceived as aging. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age of the analytically yeah, sure. inclined, he's, not... he's he's viewed as yesterday's news. It's it's terribly troubling to know that you still want to do it. You still feel you're good at it, but you're not going to be appreciated. I mean, it's a know? bit of a catch-22, right? You could, yeah. you could argue that if you had the desire or passion and intent to get back into the game, then you would have to start adopting some of those newer principles and start maybe trying to absorb and understand that. But everything he knows about baseball, and that's a lot. It's a lot, and it's I've equated it the other day. I was out to dinner with somebody, and we were talking, and I I won't. Ed, Ed Hale had his blast luncheon the other day, and he's talking about how he's getting up to speed on social media. And I said, Ed, Think about your son or daughter when they were five or six years old. It was easy to learn a new language. Sure. Well, social media, like analytics, Absolutely. is a new language, so to speak. And it's tough when you're in your 60s Definitely. or 70s. And I know Buck, uh, from talking to him, appreciates it a great deal. But you don't, it's a, you can't, you, you if can't you don't look really at it from understand it, yeah. it's tough to really fully yeah. grasp it. And welcome it in. Definitely. So, anyway, uh, Todd Karpovich is about to join us right now. And, uh, Todd, how are you, my friend? Pretty well, Stan. How about you? Good, good, good. Uh, easy win by Navy last night. Hey, roll Connecticut. Jesus, I was 7-1. Uh, yeah. eligible. Next up, Notre Dame. And that game is out in South Bend? Yeah, in two weeks. Okay. They, 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 they have a bye week coming up, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, What's different about this Navy team than last year's Navy team? Well, they got a new defensive coordinator, Brian Newberry, who has completely revamped that entire unit. They, I think they were 84th in the nation last year. They're up to like 19th wow. in overall defense. Wow. Um, that's the key. 
And then Malcolm Perry, the quarterback, who um, last year they were sort of would he play quarterback, they moved him to slot back, moved him to receiver, and that really didn't work, you know. He couldn't get any type of consistency. This year he's the quarterback, he's the guy, and he's, he's, uh, he's having his best year throwing the ball. He ran it for over 100 yards yesterday. Um, I think he's, a, he's only like 1,200 yards away from breaking Keenan Reynolds' record, rushing record. Wow, that's, that's huge. That's pretty much. Yeah. That's incredible. We're we're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. I want to remind uh, our listeners and viewers on Facebook Live of that bit. Stan the fan, along with Kyle Ottenheimer, Craig Heist is at the Maryland game today. They're hosting Michigan. Before we get to baseball, uh, do you give Maryland any chance at keeping this game close against Michigan? Zero. You know, that team's in disarray. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're still playing quarterback yet. That's a, that is not what you want to be doing going into against Michigan. Yeah, well, they're an 18-and-a-half-point underdog, and I feel bad for, uh, you know, Coach Loxley, but this has not gone well. Um, it, it just hasn't uh, the, the clarity of the fact that they have just too little talent to compete at the level they're playing at is uh, been made uh, very apparent. Yeah, and the injuries aren't helping either. You <laughs> no, know, um, no. I think the season really went downhill with that loss at Temple. That yeah. was a game they needed. <clears throat> no question about it. Todd, uh, baseball season is finally over. Uh, we're not saying that with any glee, but uh, it's our first Saturday program without a game of any kind tonight. Uh, your thoughts on the, the World Series and how interested you were in it and whether you watch much of it. Well, that's all. It was a, just an amazing run by the Nationals. I mean, who ever thought that the way team would win every game? It's really unprecedented. Um, and really, you saw, really saw Strasburg just, you know, shine through that entire series. What, what a player. What a competitor. Um, and, of course, there was that whole debate about him being shut down, what was it, in 2012? And he you know, went back and forth. But yep. look, look, look at the results now. What, what, a, what a run by the Nationals. You know, they really... Uh, Really impressive. Yeah, well, you said it, it's historic. It literally is historic because no team has ever won the World Series without winning a home game, and this is yeah. the first time that that's happened. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, uh, your thoughts on the, the couple things they've got business-wise, the Nationals, and we usually have you on to talk Orioles, but because of the nature of the season just ending, uh, are you confident or, or 100% confident that Strasburg is going to opt out uh, of his contract and the Nats will have to re-sign him and uh, up the ante a bit? I, well, you know what? You know, it's going to be, you know, his agent handle it, but it might be the smart move. You know, I mean, he's, he can make a lot of money on the open market. You know, and I guess they also have to, they have to lock up Randon. Which is another, you know. Well, those were change. those were the two questions. Were Strasburg and Rendon? Listen, Strasburg signed a contract that I think a lot of people thought that that he was overpaid in this existing contract because of how injury prone he was. And uh, here we are, like his. I think it's his last year. He could opt out of this. Yeah, he could deal. Opt out, yeah. yeah, I think it's a three. He's three years into a five-year extension that paid him twenty-five a year. Well, we now know that Garrett Cole's probably going to get in excess of $35 million. Uh, I think people would say, well, if he's getting $35 million, this guy kind of outpitched him a little bit. Yeah, well, 
A.J. Hinch was up, you know, he's questioned about this at Game 7, you know, what, what his, his strategy there. But, yeah, you, you figure, um, Cole, they're going to throw money at the Yankees. They're going to be a bit more. They're going to be a bit more for Cole. I mean, I yeah. think a lot of teams that uh, they think that him in their rotation is going to put them over the edge. And the interesting, um, the interesting thing about Strasburg now, when you look at, you know, we saw a little bit of what Patrick – we saw the, the, the pluses and negatives that Patrick Corbin brings in, uh, and he's a solid player, uh, but he's not as good as the two other pitchers, Scherzer and Strasburg. But we have an injured – you know, a it's going to be challenging for Max Scherzer to be what he's been. He's 35 years old yeah. coming off of this injury, and who knows the full extent of this injury – um, I think they're. I think they're caught in a really tricky spot at being almost desperate to re-sign Strasburg. Yeah, and then you know, with his injury history, like it's, 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 it could be a risky proposition. Yeah, um, and you know, and the thing is too, though, if if this massive thing stays in their favor, they're going to have a lot of revenue, a lot more revenue coming in. Right. If, if it's, you know, I mean, they've already won basically every arbitration case against the Orioles, and it's. Uh, it's going to be a lopsided case because the Nationals are going to have an influx of money. and Orioles are going to be, you know, could be even more trouble revenue-wise. You know, they already canceled FanFest. We don't know what the uh, reasoning, specific reasoning was behind it, but I'm sure I don't know how cost-effective it was for it. Well, I think the I think you got to remember that FanFest originally, when it started many many years ago, uh, was a supposed to be an outlet to to create interest in the team during the dead of winter, uh, you know, a month out from four to six weeks out from uh, spring training starting. And it was really meant to sell tickets. Uh, And and they haven't been able to sell tickets because the organization under Mr. Angelos, Peter, uh, was very slow getting their cost in, you know, their budgets uh, aligned and figuring out what their ticket prices were going to be. So it ceased to be a ticket driver. Um, in its heyday during the 2012 to 17 run, they were drawing about 11, 12,000 for that event. I think they had 8,000 last year. Yeah, and, and this year, and this year, I think they were looking at looking at it and saying, you know, are people really going to come down to get Hanser Alberto and uh, you know? Yeah, they're going to pay for autographs for those guys. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a different ball game than it was with Adam Jones and Manny Machado and Zach Britton power, yeah. and Chris Tillman and Chris Davis. Uh, so very different. I, I think they did the right thing by uh, at least temporarily pulling the plug on that. But let me ask you. Well, uh, there's one last thing on that though. They yeah. really should have had a plan B though. You know, they you know they pulled the plug on. Fast. Well, we don't. Else to announce, we don't. Know? Yeah, we don't know what that plan is yet. But uh, yeah. I, I, I know the the Angelos boys, and uh, um, they're they're going to run this thing a little bit more progressively than Dad. Um, I can't help but believe that that the plan is going to be to come out aggressively and market tickets. Um, yeah. And you know, maybe have some type of caravan. Uh, you know, a mini caravan that travels around for small events uh, that that g- generate interest throughout the uh, Oriole region. We're yeah, talking to be creative to sell tickets. Yeah, the tenants was it was down it was down again terribly last year. Yeah, um, I mean they're barely over a million people. You know, yeah. I mean they're like we're a million one or a million two last year. Uh, that's a far cry from 
now not only is it a far cry from uh, 1992 through 90 you know through 1997 98 it's a far cry from just 4 years ago you know when they were drawing 2.4 million people yeah and now you got Nationals winning the world series how many people are going to jump on that bandwagon yep. you know, everybody Howard County and in the Rumble you know we're kind of on the edge there so so that leaves us with um, that leaves us to talk about what the Orioles are going to do on the playing field. And by the way, uh, Todd, I, I always make the assumption somebody might know something that they don't. Uh, are you aware that the Padres have announced a three-year contract with Bobby Dickerson? I and, saw that. Yeah. And the rumor is that Wayne Kirby is going yeah, to join his that. old yeah. friend Manny Machado as well out there. Yeah, Could, can Jonathan Can Jonathan Scope be next? <laughs> he might. He, he very well could be. Yeah. And well, maybe lobby for Buck to get the job out there. The main job, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And if that manager fails, not you know they, yeah. they call Buck in July. I think Pulls Bobby. Magic out of his well, head again. well, last night on the uh, Mid Atlantic Sports Report, Dave Johnson, before poor Jace Tingler has managed a single game was talking about, and then he caught himself. He was talking about what a great um, replacement Dickerson would be for Tingler. And then he sort of said, wait a minute, the guy hasn't, he caught himself and said, the guy hasn't even managed the game yet, and I'm already replacing And there lies the problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyway. We saw Gabe Kapler in Philly, you know, yep. and then they went and got themselves a, a veteran manager because they were ready to win. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, uh, we, we talked about it a few moments ago, the Giants job, uh, Farhan Zaidi there. He's got three candidates, and I think they're all three interesting candidates. One of them he's very familiar with is Gabe Kapler, and uh, the other two are Joe Espada, the bench coach with uh, A.J. Hinch, and the other is Pedro Griffo, uh, the quality control coach and catching coordinator for the Royals. You know, it's, in, it's interesting – and there were rumors uh, that Theo Epstein had some interest in Gabe Kapler. He didn't exactly do poorly with um, manage, uh, with hiring a manager that was kind of failed in Philadelphia and young as a manager. He did that once with Terry Francona. Uh, yeah. Sometimes managers, their second time around, are much, much better. They're much more prepared, and they sort of get it a little bit. Sure. Look at the Mets, uh, you know, uh, hiring Carlos Beltran. You know, that's a sort of a player's, I guess, a player's manager there. Yeah. You know, he's not it's his first stint, you know. So, And also, you know, he's a guy, you know, it's popular. So, anyway. But you're worried about the second time around with the managers. We I are. That. They, we are dancing around the topic that the Orioles uh, have very little information or, you know, or, or moves made. Uh, there have been a couple people outrighted. Uh, I think Luis Ortiz and um, there's another pitcher who was outrighted. They've gotten their roster size down to 37, which leaves three more openings currently for uh, waiver pickups and Rule 5 pickups at the baseball winter meetings. Do you know anything at all about the young guy that uh, he's not so young? He's 27 year old Pat Valeka, who they picked up from the Rockies organization on waivers. Yeah, another guy's going to try and, you know, seize an opportunity to resurrect his career. The most interesting thing the Orioles have done is this thing with Chris Holt, um, which is really showing you they are really going to, they really want some of these young guys, these pitchers, um, in the minors to sort of try to make a push for roster spots at a spring training. Um, and they think uh, Holt has, has the magic touch here. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, the Orioles, the fact they hired, 
they promoted him, it shows you they're, they're going to go, they're not going to be real active in the free agency market. They're going to look for, like you said, these real five guys, these waiver guys, and they want these, these young pitchers really to step up and sort of try to push their way onto the roster. Um, it's only the second year of the rebuild. So um, I think they're going to take some lumps again next year. But ideally, you know, um, Elias, you know, he, the plan is moving at a rate he, he anticipated. He made a lot of moves. He put, he's really put a stamp on this club. What do you expect the timetable to be for Keegan Aiken as far as the big league club is concerned? I think he'll start in the minors. I think I think he he could push, you know, next season. Um, you know, he had a great, great, uh, great, great uh, summer. He had a great fall league. Um, I think he and uh, maybe Dean Kramer. You know, he's another guy. I think they're they're, they're high on. I think um, Mountcastle, another guy. I think he's going to have to hold a spot in, in 2020 because um, they get they need to get younger. They need to get these guys experience, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to stay on that timetable to contend, in, you know, four years. Um, also, you know, and also, you know, these guys, they, they should have a low payroll with these guys. You know, the only thing that's killing them is this Chris Davis contract. Well, otherwise, um, you know, they got some flexibility financially, you know, to make some moves once they can figure out which young guys are going to be, you know, a core part of this, this rebuild. But um, I think we're going to see these live, these guys are going to start coming up sooner or later and not wasting their arms in the liners. Well, you bring up an interesting topic when you talk about the fact that Chris Holt got an actual position now that he's sort of the director, the organization's director of pitching throughout the organization. It's It stands in stark contrast to when Dan Duquette hired Rick Peterson and then Buck Showalter basically couldn't stand Rick Peterson. Uh, so you had you had the oars going in opposite directions where you had the general manager wanting this guy to impact pitchers throughout your organization in one way, and Buck Showalter didn't appreciate that or respect it. Uh, so you had a vastly different uh, set of uh, parameters there. Yeah, I think I think I think Brandon Hines a little more flexible. Yeah, when it comes well, I think to these all, kinds of things. I think all three of them are on the same page. Holt, you yeah. know, uh, Holt, and I'll even throw in Doug Brocale. I mean, you have to have. You have to have one philosophy. That now you can debate the philosophy philosophy internally, but when you get to the level of teaching kids how to pitch, you can't tell them to throw out something that their their director pitching in the organization has been telling them. Yeah, and it's what got them there. You got to stick with their strengths. You, yep. can't, you can't, you know, you can't just tell me they, they, they got to where they are because they have, they have certain they have certain assets, and you got to stick. You got to. You got to capitalize on their strengths, not try to not try to uh, break them down and remake them. You know, uh-huh. and I think that's what some uh, I think that's what some of Buck's concerns were. All right, Todd, we really appreciate your coming on this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you shortly. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thank you. All right, there's Todd Karpovich. Got to get a few words in about some sponsors here on the show, and uh, remind you that we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. And want to talk to you about the fact that the batter round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. If you want to know what's going on this season in high school football throughout the state of Maryland, tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach 
Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything that's happening at both the private and public school levels every Monday at 12.30 p.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And lots of great events are coming up in the live event center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and camp season. With all of the games on dozens of TVs, daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the Ravens game on November 10th and be there for the annual Sliders Chili Cook-Off. Think your chili is the best? You can register for $10 and enter to win the title. Sliders, for all of your sports and a chance to sample Baltimore's best chili recipes, go to slidersbaltimore.com. Royal Farms is known for being real fresh and real fast, but we're also real Baltimore. That's because Baltimore is our home base and our home. Like purple and black, flamingos and sunglasses, or crabs and Old Bay, our subs are real Baltimore, right down to the name. We make them fresh, delicious, and to your order, all day, every day, at a price that's easy to swallow. Royal Farms subs are another reason why Royal Farms is real fresh, real fast, real Baltimore. Want to know what's going on in high school football this season throughout the state of Maryland? Tune in to the Press Box High School Football Show with Booker Corrigan and legendary former McDonough coach Dom D'Amico. The guys will discuss everything happening at the private and public school levels, players and teams to watch, upcoming games, and so much more. Every Monday at 12.30 p.m., watch the show at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio for the Press Box High School Football Show. Check out Cost is in at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out costasin.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container. And if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combined in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A, 410 410- 931-0031, Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore can't... Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh... in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on 
on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back, Stan the Fan. Jim Henneman joining us in just a couple minutes. Cystic Fibrosis and Pathfinders for Autism are teaming up for a big event coming up on Tuesday, November the 12th at the Model Lyric Stage in Baltimore. That's right. It's coming up. It's an evening with Lewis Black, a night of comedy and community. Tickets range from $75 to $250. Very cool thing happening at the Lyric on November 12th. Lewis Black, famous comedian, uh, known as sort of the um, comedic rant comedian. He's one of the best in the business. He's waiving his performance fee to allow for a unique 60-40 split in all proceeds derived going to CFF, that's Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, and Pathfinders for Autism. Go to Ticketmaster.com for tickets, uh, and I think you'll have a great time and help two great causes. B.J. Serhoff was going to join us. We couldn't quite work out the details. Of course, he and his wife um, uh, started uh, Pathfinders for Autism, and uh, we'll try and get B.J. on next week on the program, okay? I want to remind you that Team Up for One's big event uh, is tonight. Their number one goal is to connect children with challenges to the experience of team sports by attending their fourth annual Sports Leadership Awards honoring women in sports tonight, November the 2nd. This year's honorees include skating champion Kimmy Meisner, Paralympic gold medalist Becca Myers, and others. For complete information and tickets, go to teamupforone.org. That is teamupforone.org with the number one. All right. And we want to remind you that Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate Sliders Bar and Grill. Just steps from Camden Yards, perfect sports bar for Ravens and Cap season with all the games on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. And join Sliders for the Ravens game on November 10th and be there for the annual Sliders Chili Cook-Off. Think your chili is the best? You can register for $10 and enter to win the title. That's Sliders. For all your sports and a chance to sample Baltimore's best chili recipes, for more info, visit slidersbaltimore.com. Joining us now is a longtime um, columnist for PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com, and uh, before that, long time with the Baltimore Sun. And prior to that, the News American, he is the dean of all of our uh, baseball writers in town and our sports writers in town. He's Jim Henneman. Jim, how are you, my friend? Good morning, Sam. I'm doing pretty good, thanks. Good. A little scratchy voice, but good to go. I have the same thing. I have the same thing. So I read your piece the other day and would have loved to have had you on last Saturday, but it's not too late uh, in light of what happened. You, you made a very interesting reminder that despite the harsh feelings now between Baltimore baseball and Washington baseball over the Masson dispute, that at one key moment in time when the St. Louis Browns were attempting to move here, that it was Washington Senators' ownership that allowed the Orioles into their backyard. That, that, that is correct. And, uh, you know, it's 
you, you know, it's easy. Uh, I mean, we have generations that, you know, many generations that don't go back that far. And, uh, you know, to them, we always had a team. Yep. Uh, I remember when we didn't have a team. And, uh, of course, those were different times. And in, in those days, I mean, the, the centers were struggling, and I think they were looking, you know, for them. I mean, one of other things, it's a lot cheaper to come to Baltimore than it is to go to St. Louis. So I'm sure they looked at it as an economic thing. And uh, also as a potential rivalry, was there? Uh, which was, it, it could have been, but it never really was. Yeah. I mean, it never really got to that point. It never, uh, you know, the, the you know the Orioles got to be. A, it just never. It, it, it never, never developed yep. the rivalry. Yeah. Yep. Almost, almost, it's different sport, but the it's interesting. The Redskins haven't been very good since the 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 uh, Ravens came into being in the in the mid '90s. So that good rivalry yeah. has been yeah. lessened. Yeah. You now you also bring up a good. Uh, it was interesting with the Orioles, and I'm not sure that they quite had the choice to turn down the the Expos moving because baseball almost unilaterally did that, and they hadn't dotted all the I's and figured out how the Orioles were going to be compensated. But it was different back in the 50s, Jim, when the Nats allowed the Orioles to move in. It was an American League team moving into American League territory. There is a difference with the Nationals having been a National League team, I guess. That's that's a good point. You know, actually, you know, back in the 70s at one point, I'm I'm trying to remember, I I think even before – uh, even before the Senators went to Texas, or or maybe it was after in the and they talked expansion again. Uh, there was even actually some talk about the Orioles going into the National League. Uh, well, know, remember and, also there was a chance that the owner of the Giant Foods, Joe Danzanski, was talking to the Padres about buying them from Ray right. Kroc and moving right. them to Washington. Right. That was you know that came you know well I mean the, the that San Diego team. I mean that that came, you know. At least San Diego came close to to losing that team. I mean, a yep. couple of different times, I think. Uh, I don't remember all the ramifications of that, but uh, but, but yeah, that, I mean, and, and again, and those were those were different, just different time things. I mean, you know, cable television hadn't even been heard of. Sure, uh, you, you know, nobody ever envisioned television and radio revenues. Uh, not so much radio, obviously, but television revenues going through the roof like they did. Uh, and that's in. And, and let's face it. I mean, that's a big part of the. That's a big part of the whole concept right now. You know, I, an old friend of mine who used to run the Washington Caps business side, a guy named Andy Dolich, who then worked for the Oakland A's, and he's lived in the Bay Area out. In I Sanders. remember Andy well. He was yeah. in the NBA when I was in the NBA. Sure, yeah. Andy's a great guy. I always have him on this show to talk about the Oakland A's never-ending search for a new stadium. And what's interesting there is, Jim, at one time, San Jose was actually the A's territory, and they sort of winked and nodded to the Giants when the Giants built their new stadium to allow the Giants that territory. They ceded it, and then when they wanted to go back and look into building one of their stadium ideas with San Jose, the Giants said, no, nah, not so fast. That's our territory. So right. it's got some history with these territorial things. And, well, and there was there was a time I remember the feeling the time both of those when both of those teams were struggling attendance wise. If you look at the geography of it, I mean San Francisco is you know got got the big pond on one side and the and the little pond on the next side and and really uh, you know to the south you know you got San Jose whereas yep. Oakland 
actually had more territory. And and there was a time when I actually thought that that could end up being could end up being one team in that area, and it would be in San Jose. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see yeah. that happening, but yeah. uh, obviously, again, uh, you know, things change. I mean, it's just a whole different dynamic. So let's move to the playing field. Uh, uh, this World Series had a little drama in Game One, but how dramatic is Game One of any World Series? Because there's potential of six games left. Then it was kind of a dud games two through five, uh, but it really picked up with Steven Strasburg picking up the baseball in game six. Right. With with all the talk about Jared Cole, he was the best pitcher in that series. There's no question about it. No question uh, about it. And, no. and maybe and probably the best pitcher in the postseason. I, I thought he was. Uh, yeah, know, I really do. Uh, do you see any chance that he does not opt out of his contract now? With the I, I would guess not just being – just things being the way they are today. Um, I, I mean, every time that there's one of those things, I think it's a gamble on both sides. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes I, when, when those things are written, I think the club figures, well, we'll get, we'll get our reward between now and then and, and hope that the guy opts out. Right. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just guessing, I mean, what, what's he, he got, what's he got three years left at, I think it was two more years. I think this is his third year of it at twenty-five a year. I think it was five years, yeah. one hundred and twenty-five million. Yeah, it's um, about the same. Yeah, but, and, and there's going to be guys that are going to get, you know, uh, that are going to get more. And the thing of it is, is that he's uh, he's a little bit older than Cole. He's, he's at that tough age. You know, I mean, if uh, you know, he may he's probably going to end up with another with another deal similar that's going to have a, uh, an opt out in it and. Uh, in order to make it, but you know, you can, those things only, they only go so long. I mean, I think teams are, are, they're starting to wise up a little bit and they're also, I mean, all through the game now, you can also see the, the they're gearing towards control of, uh, of younger players. They're, 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 yeah. they're, they're kind of driving down the bargaining thing to the point where, uh, they're trying to stay away from these players that are, that are hitting their peak at, in their twenties, and uh, and and there's there's a couple of ways of doing that, but uh, it's just kind of like in the NFL where you, you get your value with the player in their first contract, and uh, you know those first five years, and then things happen, and uh, uh, the free agency kicks in, and and and, uh, and guys move on. In here, and it just depends. In baseball, it just depends on when those years kicked in. I mean, with Manny and Harper. It kicked in at the right time at 26, but with some of these guys in a way that's going on now, they're they're kind of programming these guys to to the point where these contracts extending into the 30s, and it kind of you know it kind of changes the dynamics of everything. But uh, in Strasburg's case, uh, especially with Cole out there setting the setting the tone, kind of uh, he's going to be able to uh, probably command at least that kind of money, or very close to it. In a, for a short period of time. How much, and we're talking with Jim Hanneman, uh, baseball writer for PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com, also official scorer at Orioles games, writes Orioles special publications, one of the best baseball writers in the country, and we're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. We'll get that out of the way. Jim, how much pressure is on the Nationals to redo a deal with Strasburg if he does opt out, which we're expecting, and I think it has to be done by tonight uh, that he opts out. But how much pressure is it, especially in light of Scherzer's injury plague second half of the season? Uh, well, you know, I mean, 
I, I really don't look at it as, as as that much pressure. I mean, the thing of it is, if they're going to want to get it, it's not like they won't be able to do a deal after he, after he opts out. Right. I mean, uh, and, and and then it's just a question of how much more would it cost for him, and how much more can he get? Uh, how many teams are going to be involved? I right. mean, there's 30 teams, but let's be realistic about this. There's only going to be a handful of teams that are going to be that are going to go there. I mean, you know, the Yankees will be one of them. Uh, maybe the maybe Boston the Phillies. They're not gonna, maybe they're the not gonna be one. maybe the Phillies. Yeah, maybe the Phillies. Uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be a handful of them. And there's going to be a handful of teams that are not worrying about hitting that salary cap, whereas uh, uh, their, their salary luxury tax ceiling, I should say, uh, whereas other teams uh, are looking to get back there. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't really think there's going to be a whole lot of teams willing to break the bank. Uh, I I think the guy in Philly is you know he, he's out there you know he's he's desperate to win a yeah. to win one of these things and then I think he'll end up doing the same thing you know he'll end up doing the same thing the Yankees and the Red Sox are finding out that they have to do. Jim Henneman is with us right now. Jim, uh, news broke last night, and I'm I'm pretty sure you probably know this that Bobby Dickerson got a three year contract to be the bench coach of the San Diego Padres, and rumor is it that they're also adding Wayne Kirby to the uh, coaching roster out there. Interesting, yeah. Well, I I had seen uh, Dickerson's name, and you know, I mean, I, it's really it's really kind of cool to, to see guys like that get rewarded because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, there's some guys spent a lot of time in the trenches and did a lot of good work kind of, you know, I mean, was a good soldier with Buck. Yes, he was. Uh, did a good job here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think the more likely thing is you you almost wonder if he isn't the manager waiting. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, man, it's not fair to the, I, I can't even remember. I've just read the guy, the name of the new manager. Jay, I can't even remember it. I've Jace, forgotten it already. Jace, Ting, so, Jace Tingler. He's not exactly <laughs> on the on the tip of your tongue. I, uh, you know, no, I get it. Uh, and I have to laugh, Jim. Last night, I happened to catch late night. I caught Dave Johnson on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. He did just what you did. He goes, you know, this Bobby Dickerson out there, he'll also be a great candidate to replace this guy. And then he kind of right. he caught himself and he said, the guy hasn't managed one game yet, and I got right. him being replaced. Well, but, that, yeah, that's an issue. Even though, you know, they're supposedly, you know, they're, they're re- these rebuilds, I mean, yeah. You know, San Diego is in the is in the second or third phase of their rebuild, just like just like Seattle is, and, yeah. uh, and uh, so you're, you 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 kind of wonder, you know, you, you go away from uh, from the, the thing they were you know, they thought they were going to make a move this year, and they they fell so far short of it that uh, uh, you know they're kind of back to, to step two, I guess. You can't, you know, they're, they're well beyond step one because their minor league system is so good, uh, apparently. I mean, you know, they still got to do it in the big league, so, so we'll see. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, that's I find it very unusual that that, that he would have a three-year contract, uh, and uh, you, you know, you wonder how long is the does the manager have a three-year contract? I mean, I'm I'm guessing that. I guess I think it's a three-year. If he doesn't, deal. he should. Sometimes yeah. those things get. I remember when Elton Dolly came here, they announced that as a three-year contract, but it really wasn't. It was two years with an option. Right. And and he was actually in the option year when, when Earl came back. So uh, sometimes they, they get away from it. And, I, and to be honest with you, I don't think any of us actually knows the length of the contract of either uh, 
Hyde or Brandon Hyde or or, uh, or Elias for yeah. that for that matter. I mean, it was never really it was never really broached, and I've never seen never seen any uh, uh, any any time limits on on either one. So. We're talking with Jim Henneman. and Jim. There were eight managerial openings. Six of them have been taken: Matheny in Kansas City, Madden in L.A. with the Angels, Beltran with the Mets, Tingler with San Diego, Girardi in Philadelphia, David Ross with the Cubs, Pittsburgh and San Francisco still to to name managers in the next week or two. Uh, any observations about? Is, is there anything to be? It, it seems like an interesting mix. Of old and new with Matheny, Girardi, and uh, uh, Madden, Matheny, and Girardi being old school, and Ross, Tingler, and Beltran being totally new at the job. Yeah, I'm not so sure I throw Matheny into the old school thing, but I mean, even though he, he may venture himself as, as old school, I'm not really sure. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, Girardi, uh, you know, those guys, yeah, I. I, I buy into that. I, I think a lot of these hires, I, it's pretty obvious to me, uh, you know, where they're coming from with with these. I mean, even you can see it in, in a lot of cases. Uh, even the coaching hires are, are coming from, uh, in a lot of cases, from the front office, I believe. So I think it's all geared towards, uh, uh, being, you know, of, of buying in, of buying into the program. Uh, and, and by say, in and, and a lot of these cases, you know, a lot of it is it, it, it's it's not just analytics, but it's it's the strategies of the game. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, the, the, the certain things we don't do certain things just because you know most of the time they don't work out. So uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I I wonder a lot about the you know the value of the eye, the, you know, the eye on the game and the eye on the player. But uh, it's, it's definitely it's definitely a change. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of changes going on, and you got to buy into a certain degree. Yep. I mean, I know the scouting fraternity is overjoyed with the with the Nationals running this thing. Sure, I mean, because unanimously, I mean, yeah. there isn't a, there isn't a scout out there, uh, you know, other than maybe the ones that that were working for Houston. That uh, and and you know, one of the things I found pretty incredible, and in that story that Bob Nightingale did on the USA Today, that the that the Astros did not advance scout anybody for the postseason. Wow. And, uh, that is and whereas, uh, Washington had a full, of, you know, had had a full load of scouts, uh, you yep. know, scouting everything. And look, let's face it. They capitalize on every break. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, one of the great lines of Ernie Johnson on TBS, the line that his line about Zimmerman's, the hit off a hater said, he, you know, he's a big swing. He's left with a number two pencil in his hand, but <laughs> a little bloop single to right field. Yeah. And, uh, and without that little bloop single, they, you know, who knows what happened? Yeah, that was the hit we saw the the baby shark where the you know the players were all whenever they'd get a big hit they'd have their right. arms going chopping like a shark. Yeah, I'll, but I mean that was a no. I mean, I'll never forget Zimmerman had his little finger, his index finger, and his thumb, right. and he was reaching was, out right. to the dugout. Yeah, and was, and and all it was was a, a guy getting on base. I mean, yep. it wasn't you know I mean the the, the game changer came after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim so, always. Always great. That, that's the one guy I think everybody. I mean, anybody, yeah. anybody that's followed the yeah, you're the thrilled national, for him. You, you have to feel good for yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, last question for you before we let you go. Sure. Uh, the Orioles, to me, this off season, not a lot of news so far, which isn't a surprise. But the one thing they did, they sort of codified that this Chris Holt is going to be sort of the director of pitching for the organization. 
after right. what we went through with Duquette hiring Peterson and Buck and his pitching coaches not really being in sync with Rick, uh, how important is it to have all the all them on the same page, manager well, I, I GM? Mean, I, it just seems to me like I think from what I from what I gather from what I from what I've heard about uh, about Chris Holt, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think really all they all they really did was change it, change his title. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that that kind of was already in place uh, uh, when they hired him to begin with. I mean, that he's you know every, everybody is going to be on the same page. Uh, uh, you know, and again, this is you know this is a this is analytic to the degree of spin rate and, uh, and and those type of things. So, I mean, I, I my guess is that they are all pretty much aligned with this to begin with, but. Uh, I I I I kind of looked at him as as the guru, as the pitching guru from day one. I mean, I think he was uh, uh, almost as much as anything. I think he was probably Elias's key hire. I mean, I think he he looked at him as his key hire. I think. All right, Jim. Really appreciate your coming on. I'll reach out to you and let's grab that lunch this week. Okay. All right. All All right. right. Thank you, Jim. All right. Have a good weekend. Uh, You too. Have fun tomorrow. I will. All right. Jim Hanneman, uh, Oriole baseball writer extraordinaire. Let's uh, tell you about a couple sponsors here. All right, let's do that. Uh, Pressbox's Project Game Day is back, and they'll be able to be with you and allow you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, and that includes tomorrow night. The guests include NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, Press Boxes, Ken Zalas, Eric Arditi. That's who's going to be on this week, right? Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Press Boxes Project Game Day is made possible by great partners, Costas Inn, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmission, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army, like Press Box, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports and watch Project Game Day there every game day this season so that'll be on again tomorrow uh at halftime of the orioles of uh, the orioles the patriots ravens game and then after the game uh want to remind you that bat around is presented by mobile one mobile one full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life visit your local jiffy lube service center and ask for mobile one and then before we get our man adam gladstone on Got to talk to you a little bit about where, why is this, this book seems to have added pages to it. We want to welcome back a longtime sponsor and friend, Glen Burnie Transmissions and Mark Schwartzman. They're located right in the heart of Glen Burnie. Glen Burnie Transmissions has been around going on 60 years. If you suspect you're having a transmission problem, GBT can save you hundreds of dollars over taking it to car dealers for repair. Make an appointment, and if they offer you, uh, not if, make an appointment and they offer estimates and free diagnostic, call GBT toll-free at 855-728-1841. Their mission is simple, to provide excellent service at a reasonable price. If you have any questions about the level of service you'll get at GBT, go to their website at gbt-online.com to check out the number of five-star reviews. Let my friend Mark Schwartzman and his GBT team take the troubles out of transmission troubles. Call them today, toll-free at 855-728-1841. Joining us right now is Adam Gladstone. Uh, 
He's the former video assist guy with the video review guy for the Baltimore Orioles under Buck Showalter. And the first year that it came into being, he's also uh, a former minor league umpire, and he's also the general manager of Team Israel. How are you, Adam Gladstone? I am great. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to have my original co-host of the Bat Around <laughs> one with us. Um, your thoughts, I just asked Jim Henneman the same question. You've got six of the eight managerial changes uh, have taken place. Matheny in Kansas City, Madden in, in L.A. with the Angels or in Anaheim, Girardi in Philadelphia, and then three first-time managers, Beltran, Tingler, and Ross in uh, Flushing, San Diego, and with the Cubs. Anything to be gathered by the, f- the fact that you got three experienced managers and three guys who have never managed a major league game? I think it goes to show you that each front office values different mm-hmm. uh, attributes that these managers bring in. Because if you think about it, if you saw Jace Tingler sign with San Diego, and, and let's not forget that obviously Bobby Dickerson and Wayne Kirby are both going to be, be parts of his staff. Yep, yep, are going to be part of part of that staff. And uh, what does that mean? It probably means that you know, there's a good chance that Adam Jones goes over there. But but you think about it, Jace Tingler goes over there with no managerial experience except for at the low levels of minor league baseball, but obviously his ability to bring in the communication and to marry uh, old school and new school techniques, they feel that he's going to be a great people person over there. But then again, you've got, if they had brought in first-year guys to Chicago and the Philadelphia, you would say, all right, they're, they're going that route. But I think in Philadelphia, they obviously went that route with Gabe. Yep. And it didn't, right, wrong, or indifferent, Maybe he didn't get enough time. Maybe year three was going to be the third year that, it, that it, everything uh, clicked, but it didn't. So now you, you see guys like Ross and, uh, and, you know, working out in Chicago. And, look, is he going to be a guy that's, that's real heavy on analytics? I don't think so because I don't think that's what he brings to the table. So it really goes to show you in this different situations. Look, the New York Mets need to win now, and that's why they went out and they got Carlos Beltran. As much as you and I have talked, you know, off air, that we would have loved to see Eduardo get there. But I get it. I mean, Carlos Beltran is the bigger news in New York, which they need to have something of of experience, than than obviously Eduardo would have been. Obviously, Joe Gerardo in Philadelphia, they need to win now. So they go out and they get the guy that has been there. Jace Tingler in San Diego, yes, Ron Fowler has come out and said they need to win now, but... How serious he is, is you really mean when they go out and they get someone that's never proven that they can win before yep. at the major league level? So I thought you know, Ron, I, think, I thought Ron Washington was the choice there, in my opinion. You know, it all depends on I what like they're valuing. Ron. It's almost yep. like the soup of the day. You yep. know, whatever whatever tastes good, and you see what the different philosophies are. I mean, look at the look at the World Series. You know, look at the Washington Nationals, and you've got an old. You know, I don't want to say old school GM because Mike Rizzo doesn't turn his head to analytics because he knows it's a part of the game, Mm -hmm. but he truly relies more on the personal feel, the personal relationships, the scouting Mm -hmm. that he's an advocate for than the Houston Astros did. And and did that come back to bite them in the series? Maybe. Maybe. But it just goes to show you that that there are two different philosophies. We're talking with Adam Gladstone. Adam, um, I know you're you're pretty friendly with Eduardo. You and I have talked 
during the week. Um, I think Beltran has said that the perfect uh, bench coach for him might be somebody like Terry Collins, who he played for there in New York. Do you think Carlos Beltran will get an experienced bench coach? And would would Eduardo? And I don't I don't really want to speak have you speak for Eduardo because uh, that's not right. He'll he'll speak for himself. Do you think he'd have any interest in sitting aside? at a place that he didn't get the the number one job? I think it's tough for someone in not speaking for Eduardo because I think if he sees the benefit of doing it, A, to help the club, but also let's not kid ourselves. These people, these guys do it because how can it benefit them? Mm -hmm. If that's a way for him to get his next opportunity uh, and possibility to manage at the big league level, then, then I think he does it. I would certainly think that someone like Carlos Beltran is going to admit that he doesn't know everything. Yes, he played. Yes, he's been an advisor since he played with the New York Yankees. But that doesn't put him in game situations, yeah. and he has to think not as a player but as a manager. So you know, it's it's interesting. You got a Terry Collins. You know, you guys have you got you have guys out there like Buck Showalter who I just think you know in theory you feel that it would be tough for them to accept that role because they've always delegated before, yeah. and now they would have to be delegated to. So I'm not exactly sure how they would uh, look to that opportunity, except if they really, truly want to get back and, and put a uniform on and be involved in the day-to-day and selfishly know that if things, you know, if their manager falls in front of the play, you know, on their face, that here's a guy with experience that's sitting right on staff and can pick up where that guy leaves off. So there's so many different philosophies that go into it. I just, I'm not, I'm not sure if, yes, a guy like David Ross, a guy like um, Jace Tingler, obviously signing Bobby Dickerson. Bobby's been around and, and worked for Bucks, so they see the benefit of that. I just don't know if a Buck or a Terry Collins, you know, want to strap it on like these guys and, and commit to that if they're not the ones calling the shots. We're talking with Adam Gladstone, and Adam, a former minor league umpire, former video uh, assist guy with the Baltimore Orioles under Buck Showalter, also general manager of Team Israel. Um, one of the guys you got to know uh, in your capacity with um, Team Israel is Sam Fold. Uh, he never got the chance to play in Baltimore, played mainly, I think, for the Rays, A's, and Cubs. Uh, but Sam Fold, a very interesting guy, he's with the Phillies now in that sort of analytics area and uh, uh, quality control area. He supposedly turned down opportunities to to interview for managing jobs. Can you speak to that at all? Sure. Yeah, it's actually pretty simple. Sam absolutely wants to eventually manage in, in, at the major league level, and from the time that I spent with, with Sam um, – in uh, Arizona for our training camp, and then obviously a long playing ride to Korea <laughs> and Japan, and, and spending a lot of time with him and seeing how he went about his work. Um, he has the ability, he has the skills, he has the personality, he has all the the, the knowledge. Being a Stanford guy, um, to manage at the major league level, and the whole reason why he has turned down those opportunities is because Sam, before he took the job in Philadelphia, was living in Florida. And he's just, you know, in the past two years, he's, he's moved, he's uprooted his family mm-hmm. to Philadelphia. And he doesn't want to put them in that situation until he has the right opportunity. Right. So that's wholly what it is. And, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that a lot more major league organizations don't go the route 
of hiring someone like a Sam Fold. And, and Sam's role is, yes, he's on the analytics side, mm-hmm. but he's on the analytics um, uh, relay, relay side, I guess is the best way to say it. And, and he takes the information that the analytics department puts together, and, and he's a part of that. Yeah. But then he's the one that explains it to the players. And when you think about that, here's a guy. Does he also explain most, it? Does he ahead. also explain it to the manager a little bit too? Is he the interface uh, between, or is the manager yeah. already in those meetings? He, the manager's already in those meetings. I mean, the manager obviously has to has to sign off. Not necessarily sign off, but be aware of the information that is being provided to the players because he's got to know what their thought process is to determine what they're going to do in an in-game situation. So, and if they're capable of, and and he has to know the manager if that player is able to process that information and then execute if something needs to be done. So yes, the manager is aware, and Sam is the interface. Sam is the guy that takes that information. And, and as you know, Chris Wills and I spent a lot of time together, and Chris put it real eloquently. That's a guy that's able to dumb it down mm-hmm. and put it on the easiest way for these players to understand, hey, here's, here's some information. Here's why we think it can be helpful. You know, but remember, ultimately, it's up to the player to determine whether or not they want to take that information. And I thought it was really telltale. You had a guy on the Houston Astros in the World Series, and George, I want to say it was George Springer, it was either George Springer or Carlos Correa, that turns his head on analytics, does not want to know that information mm-hmm. as a whole. He wants to see the ball and react. And, um, you know, once again, it's, it's personal preference, but you defer to the player. And as an organization, all you can do is provide information. You can't force them to use it. You've been around the game a long time in a lot of different capacities. Your assessment of the first year under Mike Elias, uh, Sig Hyman, and uh, Brandon Hyde, how do you think they did? Uh, what were some of the strengths that they showed? And well, if you saw weaknesses, what do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. Everybody – I really felt here in Baltimore, you know, obviously being being here, living here, growing up here, I really felt that – there were zero expectations by this club going into the year. I mean, this was a, a complete teardown that, that was going to take a year uh, as the teardown continued uh, right. from, from top to bottom. So there were zero expectations. I think what we saw is Mike Elias uh, stuck, stuck to his guns, and he took the opportunity to, to try to you know, start bringing in some of his people that, that he wanted to bring in in a short period of time, starting with Brandon Hyde, uh, piecemealing that coaching staff together that, you know, we've now seen that almost half of that coaching staff has gone, is in the, is in the process of being replaced, was able to bring in some players that have had good, good you know, career years, like a Hanser Alberto and like a, a Villar. Um, but, you know, those are not the cornerstones of what Mike Elias is building this organization around. So, you know, you had an opportunity to bring in Sigma Dow, and he's starting to, to obviously put his touch on how the analytics are going to work within the club. Um, so, I mean, I think I think the 2020 or excuse me, 2019 season is exactly what Mike Elias laid it out to be, um, and I think he he did a really good job with what he had to work with. Um, you know. You and I have talked about this. If you took a if you took a roster of the major league front office for the New York Yankees, um, 
and then you took the made the, the roster of the major league the major league front office of the Baltimore Orioles, it would be half the size. The Orioles roster sure. would be half the size than the Yankees because they're they're not there yet. Um, so with what Mike had had to work with all the way around, it was as expected. Um, I think the Orioles. I think what we saw was Brandon Hyde cares, and I think that's one of the things that you can take out of this is you have a manager that cares. I mean. I had a chance to spend some time with Brandon, and um, you know he, he as much as he tries to hide it, he wears his emotion in his face, yeah. and you can see when he's not happy with a player, and he might have been a little bit more demonstrative than Buck was, and, and maybe that comes with experience. You know, this was the first time he had to handle the the rigors of being a major league manager and doing the pregame press conference and the postgame press conference and having to deal with. You know, obviously he and, and CD obviously had their run in, and there was an issue with Jose Flores and uh, and Richard Breyer coming off yep. the field. But but I think those are situations that are normal. Most of the time, you don't we as fans don't see those those run ins because they're behind closed doors. But I think you're seeing that these that coaching staff truly cares, uh, and they're all 100 percent competitive. And, and I'm going to tell you that. As a fact, you know, I had the opportunity, as I mentioned, to golf with Brandon and Jose Flores and Jose Hernandez, and they are competitive. And, and don't think it's just on the golf course. They want to win <laughs> every baseball game, but they know why they're here. All right. Uh, Adam Gladstone, many thanks. We'll get you on in a couple weeks because I know you got some information going on with Team Israel. Uh, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, all right? Sounds good. Thanks for having right. me. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. All right, there you go, Adam Gladstone. Ken Zalis is back, and he's fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show is every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. KZ helps you set your lineup for all of your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. And I needed to do one more thing before we get my friend Steve Doherty on here, and that is to tell you about that there are lots of great events coming up in the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel during the rest of 2019, including Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Michael Bolton on Saturday, November 30th. Doors open at 8.30 p.m. Tickets start at $45.50. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. And joining us right now is the uh, executive director uh, on the, of the, or the board of directors, the head of the board of directors for the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame, that is my friend Steve Darty. Steve, thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Absolutely, Stan. Thanks for having us on. Really appreciate your help. Well, I, great event. I not only help for uh, for uh, promotional value. I'm also on the board and a voting member on the nomination committee, and I take my work very seriously. I think we've got a great event coming up this coming uh, week on November seventh. Can you tell our listeners and viewers uh, about who's going to be honored and uh, why it's a great event to get behind. Absolutely. First of all, the State of Maryland is the official uh, Athletic Hall of Fame for the state. And as you know, we have a tremendous uh, success track record of having athletes 
from the state in the last Olympic uh, Games in 2016. Our Maryland athletes probably won enough gold to represent the, be the third best country in the world. So we have a tremendous athletic history here. Now, our dinner induction ceremony on Thursday, on November 7th, at Martin's West in Baltimore is going to include a tremendous class highlighted by uh, Ali Andrzejewski, who's a, a soccer player from Lutherville, uh, Steve Kulovitz, uh, an outstanding tennis player, one of the youngest uh, men to win the Mellon State Men's Championship at the age of 15 from Park Heights, uh, Rob Sheck, tremendous uh, Baltimore uh, native uh, lacrosse player from Towson University, who led them to the uh, national championship game back in 1991. Uh, 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 someone that we all know and, and, and respect, uh, Mark Teixeira from Savannah Park, a tremendous baseball career for the New York Yankees and, and several other major league teams. Uh, won a World Series in 2009 with the Yankees and um, is now an ESPN commentator. And then and the gentleman who Gary Williams has um, credited for keeping the Maryland uh, University of Maryland basketball team at its prominent level that it did and, and probably led to the national championship in 2002 was a gentleman named Walt Williams. Walt is still involved with Maryland athletics, does the uh, color commentary on uh, Maryland basketball. And so we're proud to have that. That's our class, our uh, Hall of Fame class. We're also awarding two, um, two awards, two lifetime achievement awards for two folks that have really done a great job. And this, this award is named after John Stedman, a long, long time uh, sports writer for uh, in Baltimore, and, and just an icon in the uh, in the writer community. Uh, the first is Tom Davis. Many of us know have grown up with Tom. He's been on the television and radio for 48 years, uh, doing mm-hmm. Oriole telecast and doing uh, Colts telecast and Ravens. Just another um, just another icon in the Baltimore community. And then uh, a gentleman, uh, Jim Margraff who led the Johns Hopkins University football team 2018 to a national championship and um, uh, suddenly and tragically passed away December of 2018 as a head coach. He's the winningest head coach in the state of Maryland history, and he's done a, um, he had a terrific career starting as a quarterback at Johns Hopkins and then as a longtime coach. But he was also not only a coach, but he was a teacher and mentor. He's and a one, proud to have, wonderful, uh, wonderful person. Wonderful person. Yep, yep. We're proud to have his wife, Alice Margraff, will be representing Jim. And, um, you know, we have, we have some, a terrific class and a terrific group of folks we're honoring on, on Thursday, uh, November 7th at Martin's West. What time will the event start and how can people buy tickets or at this even late stage, maybe a table if somebody uh, that they have a special fondness for here? Well, on November 7th, our, our, our event starts at 6 o'clock with cocktails, followed by dinner at 7 o'clock. Tickets can be purchased at our website for the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame, www.mdsahof.com, or you can go to your Google machine and, and Google uh, Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, I'll tell you now, the crowd, uh, we just look at it, we should have over 400 people wow. are there. It's going to be an outstanding event. Um, and what's more interesting in just, uh, you know, we've all, many athletic uh, supporters have been through uh, many of these events, but what you really get to see is the stories behind the athletes. And every year, it's amazing. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now with the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame. The stories that you find and you learn and realize are just 
not only inspiring but terrific as far as uh, what many of the obstacles um, many of our athletes have overcome to reach the pinnacle of their sport, and it really is truly an inspiring evening. And and I want to compliment you, first of all, as the head of the chairman of the board. That was the word I couldn't remember before when I was introducing (laughs) you, the chairman of the board. But our, our selection committee, Sandra McKee, Bill Stetka, Mike Gibbons, Michael O'Connor, um, I'm leaving a couple of people up, Bernie Walter, yep. yourself, uh, help me out. Who, who am I missing there? I left well, a that, that's, people that's pretty much, uh, Daryl Hill, former, yeah, uh, Hill, from yep. University of Maryland. Yep. Yeah, that's good. But more importantly, uh, I'll tell you, we have, and we will always look for nominations. If you're listening or watching and you know of an athlete that's been, had a tremendous athletic career, Right now, the uh, Maryland Athletic Hall of Fame focuses only on athletes. We get a lot of nominations for coaches. That's one of the reasons we have the Stedman Award. But if you know of an athlete, high school, college, I I tell you, we have some tremendous uh, folks on our eligibility list. And every year, it is is a chore to try to winnow down and come up with a class. But uh, we have... You know, we have folks that we're looking at that, um, you know, still in, still some, like Katie Ledecky, yep. still swimming. Yep. We have Michael Phelps yep. on the horizon who has done, you know, we know what he's the greatest Olympian in history. So we have some tremendous athletes that we're working on and trying to get into our Hall of Fame. And we really um, are excited about this year's class. I got to tell you, highlighted by uh, Walt Williams, who is just such a part of our community. Uh, remaining part of the team, Mark Teixeira, yep. uh, potential Hall of Fame player. Um, just really a, a great class. It's a great year. class, and the point I was making is how hard this group works <laughs> to whittle down and intelligently pick the people. That And, and you know, one thing that's interesting, uh, Steve, is you want to also be careful. You want to spread the sports around. You don't. It might be easy to have five basketball players in the same year, but – but you want to hit tennis, you want to hit women's yeah. soccer, and you want to appropriately honor uh, both genders. And uh, I, th- I think we do a really good, solid job at your direction. Well, I'll tell you, Steve Karulovic, as an example, yeah. all right, 32 Grand Slam events as a tennis pro, youngest man to win the Maryland State, uh, Maryland State Tennis Championship. Been a long, long time tennis coach and instructor involved with Gilman High School. These are the folks that we have that are not only part, you know, have outstanding athletic careers, but, but take it afterwards and just become the part of the fabric of our community. And Steve has done a terrific job in Baltimore in developing young tennis players and that you just can't, this is something you also see if you come to our event Thursday night, you will see that many, many of these athletes, Ali Andrzejewski, still involved in soccer as a coach, and not only coaching young ladies, but coaching young men as well. So it's just, we have outstanding individuals that we, that we induct in this every year. Last year, we had an opportunity to induct Buck Williams, uh, you know, from North Carolina, still a part of our community over in the DC area. Terrific story of, of turning down Dean Smith (laughs) to come for Lefty Giselle. I mean, you know, these kind of stories you hear, you, 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 you won't see this, and, and, and it's so inspiring. You're and, so, and, so proud. And I urge anybody listening or watching right now to try and get there this year, buy a ticket, and go to 
www.mdsahof um, to uh, find okay. out about it. All right? Yeah, Steve, thank Thanks, you very Dan. much. I appreciate it thank a great you, deal, sir. and I'll talk to you, and I'll see you Thursday night. We'll do it. Thanks, Dan. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. There you have it. All right. Uh, and I do mean that in all sincerity. A terrific, terrific event. want to talk to you a little bit about the spot you're used to hearing me and Craig Heiss banter back and forth, the Costas Inn. Uh, I think I know a little something about special, and the Costas Inn is one special place. And they have some great specials. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night paired with half-priced bottles of wine. On Wednesday night, Thursday night is lobster night. Friday night, Pete and his uh, chef staff there, his cooking staff, they'll come up with a couple different uh, unique specials on Friday night. Seven days a week they're open for lunch, dinner. Uh, Great place to watch sports. Great place to bring a group for years. We had our press box Christmas party there for 20 people. It's that time of year now to start to plan that. If you're looking for steam crabs, please call them to order them, you know, reserve them. You can't just walk in and be guaranteed that you're going to get the most delicious steam crabs around. 410-477-1975 is the number for the Costas Inn. And please tell them that Stan the Fan and Craig Heiss sent you. Appreciate that. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college basketball preview issue. On the cover, Brooks DeBose looks at the Mount St. Joe duo of Jalen Sticksmith and Daryl Morsell as two kids from Baltimore look to lead Maryland back to prominence this season. You'll also find full previews for men's and women's hoops in the area, including Towson, UMBC, Loyola, Morgan, Coppin, and more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. We remind you that the Bat Around is broadcasting in the live casino hotel studios and will return right after these messages. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Ken Zales here. I'm back, and I am fulfilling all of your fantasies. Well, your fantasy football fantasies, anyway. I'm with you for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. to help you set your lineups for all your fantasy matchups. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. It's all brought to you by Wise Markets and Glory Days Grill. Join us for the Press Box Fantasy Football Show every Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. <laughs> 
Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for Ravens and Caps season. With all of the games on dozens of TVs, daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. Join Sliders for the Ravens game on November 10th and be there for the annual Sliders Chili Cook-Off. Think your chili is the best? You can register for $10 and enter to win the title. Sliders, for all of your sports and a chance to sample Baltimore's best chili recipes, go to slidersbaltimore.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college basketball preview issue on the cover. Brooks DeBose looks at the Mount St. Joe duo of Jalen Sticksmith and Daryl Morsell as two kids from Baltimore look to lead Maryland back to prominence this season. You'll also find full previews for men's and women's hoops in the area, including Towson, UMBC Loyola, Morgan Coppin, and more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores you can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. Right, we are back on the uh, bat around. Stan the Fan and my friend Kyle Ottenheimer here. And Kyle and uh, Mr. Clark, uh, Glenn Clark, uh, do their thing Mondays through Fridays. Uh, how was that? Uh, you had a, a, a show that really Hectic. worthy of people getting in the archives to listen to. Yep. You had all the local basketball coaches, the Division One. Uh, hoops coaches, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was the uh, annual college basketball preview show. We uh, once a year before the season kicks off, we'll have our friend, the uh, Terps beat writer for the Athletic, Patrick Stevens, will come in and co-host the show as he is far more qualified to talk about the list of teams that play in the area. And uh, yeah, we ran down the list as everybody from Loyola, Coppin State, Juan Dixon, of course. Uh, Morgan State, uh, Towson, Coach Brodus, right? Bro- yes, uh, you. Every program in the area, Pat's Navy, scary. Navy, uh, Mount Saint, Ma- Mount Saint Joe, Ma- yeah, Mount, Mount Saint, Saint Mary's, Mount Saint right. Mary's. It was a uh, busy, busy, busy morning. And if you are a college basketball fan and have interest as far as what is going to be developing and taking place over the course of the next four or five months in the area, this is a good place to get your information. As uh, I'm a bit biased, but I don't think that anybody in the area covers local college basketball as in-depth as and you guys well do. as Glenn and Patrick Stevens. Yeah, Patrick so, um, is fantastic. Uh, I, is, I had not even realized he was with the Athletic. He uh, is he's a great, great for basketball mind. A uh, quick question. The the most interesting team to me locally, now Ryan Odom's going to have a good team, I'm sure, 
but is um, Tavares Hardy over at Loyola. Now, he's got one of his freshmen yeah. is Pat Spencer's younger brother. Indeed. Is going to be, yeah. and if you saw Pat Spencer play lacrosse, and you think sports is genetic some, somehow, uh, he's going to have a pretty good player there. That's the, that's the thought. I mean, the word is that Pat Spencer will be getting substantial playing time up there at Northwestern, and allegedly his younger brother is supposed to be even better than him at basketball. At basketball. Um, right. That paired with, uh, I, the name escapes me, but it sounds a lot like Andrew Stecka. Right. They have a player, a foreign player. Yeah, he's done. Tavares Hardy is plugged yeah. into Europe pretty well. Uh, he's gotten a couple young players out of there. I think they have real hopes of threatening in the Patriot League. There's there's legitimate expectations there for the Greyhounds. So certainly a lot of interest and intrigue. As of course the Terps, we talked to Coach Turgeon the day before, not Thursday, but for Wednesday, uh, the Terps were ranked top ten preseason. So certainly plenty to watch when it comes to college basketball. And Juan Dixon. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's time for him to, to well, start to show, and that's a tough, far tough job. said than done, yeah. Yeah, but he's got to show a little bit of results in progress, and hopefully this will be the year that he does that. That's the hope. No, I think there's also an understanding, right, of, of how tall a task it is, the undertaking he's taking on. Um, you'd imagine he has some leeway, and, you know, of course they want to see the results, but... Um, it was it was great to see Juan and, and get a yeah. chance to hear his thoughts on the program. Yeah, well, we're wishing Juan a lot of success over there at Coppin because we'd love to see him be there long term. It it, sta- it it makes all the more remarkable, and I know Kyle's dialing the phone right now to get Bill Latson on with us. But it makes what Fang Mitchell accomplished at Coppin State and the the big time victories he would pull off in the tournament. Uh, and the years and years of winning the uh, MEAC championship, um, it, it's really quite remarkable. Uh, and, Kyle, a word on that before we uh, – I mean, Fang Mitchell I mean, yeah. did just an amazing job. It shines light on how impressive it was, right? With time, it only grows more impressive. All right. Speaking of impressive, uh, the Washington Nationals about to celebrate with their parade that kicks off at 2 o'clock today – Joining us, and he was very nice to come back on for a consecutive week here, uh, is Bill Latson, and he only did it because Craig Heist isn't here again. Uh, Bill, how are you today? Doing great, man. How about you, Stan? I'm great. Now, I know you're a Yankee fan, uh, but you covered the Montreal Expos in Montreal for a few years and then followed them and were were with MLB.com when the Nationals came into being. You've got to be pretty excited uh, that your boys, so to speak, have won their first championship. I am. Um, I thought it was going to happen earlier. I think a lot of people did. Yep. I think of uh, all the teams they had, I thought 2014 was their best team. And uh, they just didn't get it done. But uh, I think Dave Roberts pushed, I mean, she, uh, <laughs> Dave Martinez Dave put Martin. the, uh, pushed the right buttons and, uh, he, you know, He's the best manager in Nationals history. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, what's interesting, I'm hearing a lot of talk, and it's not like arrogant, or, 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 but I'm hearing a lot of talk by people that are so happy that the Nationals, a team that still believes in the eyes and ears of baseball scouts, um, over, over direct 100% buy-in to analytics, uh, your thoughts on that, that the scouts kind of got a win here? Yes, uh, it was a big win. In fact, uh, this is all Mike Rizzo. I mean, Mike Rizzo made it clear 
that he relies on scouts. He, he comes from a scout background. His father was a, was a long-time scout, still is a long-time scout. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, um, it is a, you know, a victory for scouts everywhere. In fact, the Nationals recently hired a scout who was let go from another team. So um, it, it's great. It's great. And you should go by your eyes. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not against analytics. Yeah. But I think your eyes should make a difference. I mean, to prove to you how much the eyes have worked for the Nationals, did you think that Juan Soto was going to be this good? And they let Bryce Harper go? Yeah. I got news for you. They, Juan Soto is better than Bryce Harper. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So uh, that's all you need to know. So we live in sports and in society. We live in a lot of ways a copycat uh, world. Is this a good thing for scouts that the Nationals won? Yeah, I think it's a good thing, but I think you're still going to see the more analytics, analytical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just, at the same time, you hope that, like what uh, A.J. Hinch did in 2017. You know, the, that team is into, is into analytics. Yeah. But if you remember, uh, during, the, during like six and seven, I mean, A.J. Hinch went old school mm-hmm. and decided to go with his gut. So, I mean... That tells you right there how he feels about analytics. He feels great. He came from an analytic background. But at the same time, he's going to, uh, you know, use the old school method if he has to. I'm going to ask you this question. I haven't really talked about this to anybody else, but I thought that on Wednesday night, his decision to bring Will Harris in rather than go with Garrett Cole at that moment was a little bit going with his gut and that he wanted to he wanted to give a chance to a player that he really liked and it performed so well for him, Will Harris, a chance at redemption from the night before. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't uh, disagree with what A.J. Hinch did. Yeah. But at the same time, A.J. Hinch kept telling everybody, even before the game, that Will Harris was uh, was spent. He was tired. Right. So if you if you know that going in, why are you doing it? Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I question. So, All right. Interesting. So, so back to the, I don't question why he brought him in there because he was he was his, one of his best relievers. But at the same time, he said Will Harris is tired. He's on fumes. That was the, that was the exact words. Now, clear, clearly, speaking of fumes, uh, the the performance and it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't heroic in terms of the actual numbers on the board. But what Max Scherzer did coming back after just a couple days earlier having to pull from a start was quite remarkable and had to be quite motivating to his teammates. Oh, no question about it. I mean, the mere fact what Strasburg did first by tying in game six, yeah. and then you see uh, what Scherzer did, outstanding, outstanding. Um, you know, uh, you're going to have several Hall of Famers, I think, coming out of this, that team alone. So uh, I believe Scherzer's one of them. And Scherzer's always been a gutty guy. You know, if you remember when Scherzer first came to the Nationals, the knock on him was that he couldn't complete games. He hardly did it with the Tigers, but once he came to the to the Nationals, he was completing games, no hitters, twenty yep. strikeouts, like you wouldn't believe. 
So all that stuff, what they said about him when he when he came from the Tigers, that turned out to be untrue. So, um, and I like Scherzer a lot too. Great guy. We're talking with Bill Latson, MLB.com columnist, uh, does some great, great stuff. So you're you're down in D.C. Is it because you at one time covered the team, or do you have a an angle that you're going for in this story? Well, uh, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm here for an angle, and uh, I don't know what it is yet. It depends what what's going on. I'm actually right now on a flatbed. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to follow the team around. So that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Now, speaking of following that team around, you'll have your eyes and ears on that team uh, as they enter the offseason. Is tonight the deadline that they that Steven Strasburg has to choose to opt out? That is correct. That is it. And uh, also, I believe today is the day they're also supposed to tell them uh, his option will not be picked up. But a lot of people seem to think Zimmerman will come back. Well, I know uh, that's a that's a, a poignant story there because the team means so much to him and he means so much to the team. Uh, do you have any idea of what the shape and scope of a one-year deal with him might look like? Would it be like a, a $3 million deal with a couple million in incentives or something like that? I, I w- it wouldn't surprise me if it was like that. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not in the boardroom, but uh, I don't know. I really don't know. But it'd be a one-year deal for sure. Yeah. But um, but the way Zerman played uh, during the postseason, I mean, he showed he's not done. He's yeah. not done. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, he said he was willing to platoon, but I got to tell you, if I was him, I would be embarrassed if I had to platoon with uh, Matt Adams because. Uh, they've he, already they've already elected not to pick up his option, so uh, he, he's going to be. I'm aware of that, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying if they if they're still thinking about it uh, to bring him back, I, if I'm them, and, and the way Matt Adams played, I'd be embarrassed. So, I mean, get someone real good. Right. Are you going to do that? Bill, moving on to the two most important pieces of uh, of, uh, of the puzzle for Mike Rizzo, and I know we're we're just in the mode where they're celebrating, but again, the time the time situation is such that Steven Strasburg by tonight will have to announce he's going to opt out if he's going to opt out, and Anthony Rendon mm-hmm. is a free agent, and the bullpen is still sort of in tatters. Uh, how do you think manage, general manager Mike Rizzo addresses those three issues? Well, uh, uh, Steven Strasburg, let's start with him. I find it hard to believe that he's going to leave the Nationals. Okay. Because last winter, he left his hometown, San Diego. He's from San Diego, mm-hmm. beautiful San Diego. And he moved to Washington, D.C. full time. Right. So I don't... Uh, I really don't see him leaving. So what will it take a couple-year extension and maybe changing the 25 to 30, like maybe adding two years to his contract and five more million a year or something yeah, like that? It, it wouldn't surprise me if it came down to that. Yeah. But you also got to remember, too, they got to say Anthony Rendell. Yeah. I mean, it's a must. I mean, the Nationals don't have a third baseman to replace. They don't. To me, that is their top priority right now. So, um, 
we'll wait and see, and we'll take it from there. All right. Um, your thoughts, uh, six of the eight managerial situations have been resolved with uh, the announcement yesterday that Carlos Beltran has got the mm-hmm. Mets job. you got a uh, veteran manager in Kansas City, Mike Matheny, a veteran with the Anaheim Angels, uh, Joe Madden, a veteran in Joe Girardi in Philadelphia, and then for the Mets, San Diego, and the Cubs, they all went with Beltran, Tingler, and Ross in that order, first-timers, so no real consensus there, but but maybe surprising that three veteran managers got hired again. Well, I, well listen, I, I've told you this before, uh, on the record, off the record, I think it's a crime that Joe Girardi had to be out of baseball as a manager for two yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were saying things about him. I'm saying, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, because, you know, this was a guy, you know, to me, his best job was not 2009 when he guided the Yankees to the championship. It was 2017. Job, uh, 2006. Six. Uh, with the Marlins. That right. When he was manager of the year. I mean, they yeah. almost, they were the playoff hunt until the last two weeks of the season. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just telling you, man, Joe Girardi is a great manager. Now, the only thing that I'll say about him is that he's got to improve how he deals with the media. Because, you know, I watched him his last year with the Yankees in 2017. And I'm telling you, there were days it seemed like he didn't want to be there. Yeah. So I think he's going to have to change that matter. And people say he can't get along with young kids. But look at that 2006 Marlins team. Yeah. They had almost nothing but rookies. You could say the same thing about 2017. Yeah, I think I mean, he, they almost went to the World Series. I think he's a great fit there in Philadelphia. So uh, do I. Now, but I'm but sure. I'm sure that you you've gotten to know Carlos Beltran at, along his career path. Uh, your thoughts on what he brings to the table with the Mets and who might end up as his bench coach? He apparently said he'd love to have Terry Collins considered to take the job. Well, let me tell you something. I thought uh, Terry, the way they treated Terry, Terry Collins towards the end wasn't good. Yeah. I, I thought uh, what he did with that team, taking to the playoffs two years in a row. Right. Uh, the guy's big in the fundamentals. So, yes, I, I think uh, having Terry Collins as a bench coach is a great idea. Uh, what I like about Carl's Beltron is that his communication skills, and he seems to really know uh, the game. And when I say that, what I mean is he seems to know when a pitcher's tipping his pitches mm-hmm. and all that, and uh, that's about it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. a, that's an interesting. You mentioned the, the tipping of pitches, and I'm not trying to give you a, a your angle for your story, but that, that story that arose out of uh, Strasburg's appearance on Tuesday when the uh-huh. Astros scored an early run, or was it two runs? I can't remember. But they said that he was tipping his pitches and that Paul Menhart picked it, picked up on it and was able to quickly communicate that change to him. And after that, they didn't really sniff much of anything, the Astros. Correct, correct. And I'll tell you this, though. I think Strasburg is going to be even better. You know, I, I didn't realize he was 30, 31 he's, years he's old. He's 31, yeah. Yeah, I did not know. I mean, it seemed like he was still a kid, especially the way they've been treating him and his arm and everything. So, you know, uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I think he's going to be even better. I think uh, 
there's more to come from Steven Strasburg. You know, it's it's interesting. Again, I'm not trying to tell you the angle to write, but the fact that I, I do some TV with the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report, a panel show with Dave Johnson, Mel Antonin, and others. Uh, and when when Paul Menhart was brought in to replace, what was it, Derek Lilliquist? That's correct. I think a lot of us on that panel thought this was just the precursor to f- another two, three weeks to fire the manager. But Menhart may have ended up proving to be like a really key change there. Yes, uh, there's no doubt about it. Well, he was the, the pitching coordinator for a long sure. time. So yep. I- I'll tell you, I think I think it's a great uh, move, and uh, we'll just take it from there. All right. Last question I got for you, Bill Latson, and thank you very mm-hmm. much for coming on again. Garrett Cole. You got any just a uh, gut feeling where he's going to end up? Well, based on what he said during the a- ALCS, it seems to me that he would he wants to go to California where right. he grew up. So while uh, he was telling uh, writers not too long ago um, how much he loved Anaheim uh, and California in general. So I say he's not going back to Houston. He's not going to New York. Right. I say I say he's going to uh, somewhere in California. So the Dodgers think, or the Angels? In Dodgers or Angels? That's interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I guess the Angels right away, if they don't bring Hill back and they don't sign Rayu, they'd have the money to pay him. Right. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Yep. We'll keep our eye yep. on that. Bill, we'll talk to you in a few weeks. We'll give you the month of November off, and we'll talk to you around the baseball winter meetings. Many thanks again for joining us. You can, you can call me anytime. Enjoy the parade. Thank you so much. All right. There he is, Bill Latson, uh, one of the really good guys that covers Major League Baseball for MLB.com. We're going to take a final timeout. And uh, as we start that break, i got to tell you about something, a very special event coming up on November 12th, Cystic Fibrosis and Pathfinders for Autism. And you don't often see this in the, the world of uh, uh, charity events. They're teaming up for an evening with Lewis Black, a night of comedy and community. Tickets range from $75 to $250. And remember... There's a very cool thing happening at the Lyric on November 12th. Lewis Black is waiving his entire performance fee to allow a unique 60-40 split in all proceeds derived from the event, going to 60% going to Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, 40% go to Pathfinders for Autism. For ticket information, go to Ticketmaster.com. And again, the event is November 12th. The Modell Lyric Stage in Baltimore, and uh, we hope you'll support the event. Gates open, the doors open, 7 o'clock, and then uh, starting at, se- at 8 o'clock, his performance by Lewis Black. Again, Ticketmaster.com. Got to tell you about the Costas Inn. Normally you hear big Craig Heist and I banter back and forth about what a special place the Costas Inn is. And it's special for a number of reasons, and we can tell you about the crabs, the crab cakes, the crab soup, all very special. But And we can also talk to you about the family atmosphere, the great, um, the great menu they have. Those are all very special things. But speaking of specials, Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night paired with half-price bottles of wine. Thursday night 
is lobster night, and then Friday night, well, Pete Triantafilos and his uh, kitchen staff come up with some very creative ideas on Friday night and give you some miscellaneous specials. It's all very special at the Costas Inn. The phone number, if you are looking for a reservation and you do need to reserve your crabs in advance, call 410-477-1975. You'll love the crabs, but there's a whole lot of other special reasons to like the Costas Inn. PressBox's Project Game Day is back, as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, PressBox's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. PressBox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa in Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like PressBox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports And watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. Okay, I'm getting an Italian cold cut with oil and vinegar. Turkey and Swiss with extra mayo for me. And I want a ham and cheese with everything. Before we go to the game, we go to Royal Farms. It's not football without a Royal Farms sub. At Royal Farms, it's all fresh. And delicious. In this town, you don't tailgate with a hoagie. You tailgate with a Royal Farms sub and world-famous chicken. Royal Farms. Real fresh. Real fast. Real Baltimore. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of PressBox is available now, and it's our annual college basketball preview issue on the cover. Brooks DeBose looks at the Mount St. Joe duo of Jalen Sticksmith and Daryl Morsell. As two kids from Baltimore look to lead Maryland back to prominence this season, you'll also find full previews for men's and women's hoops in the area, including Towson, UMBC Loyola, Morgan Coppin, and more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores you can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers a better way to tailgate with football and nuggets. You can now pick up a 30-count Chick-fil-A nugget in a football-shaped container, and if it would be helpful, Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can half-cook it, leaving you the opportunity to heat it the rest of the way just in time for your party. And now Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers their three-cheese mac and cheese, cheddar, parmesan, and romano combined in this classic side, baked fresh in the restaurant. Download the Chick-fil-A app, place your order, and pile up Chick-fil-A bonus points, good for free food. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square, 5198 Campbell Boulevard. Call Steve if you'd like your party catered by Chick-fil-A. 410-931-0031. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. (laughs) 
We are back uh, to say goodbye on the bat around. Many thanks to Kyle Ottenheimer uh, for being on with us. want to remind everybody that tomorrow, remember the Ravens play at night, and that 820. means 8.20. That means at roughly about 9.40 to 9.50, somewhere yes. in there, halftime of the game, Project Game Day will start with Glenn Clark. He'll be on. Will Eric join him during the halftime? No, no, he'll be over that. Okay. Yeah. And then after the game, Project Game Day returns with a full 45 minutes to an hour of your questions and comments. Uh, you can watch the show on Facebook Live by going to facebook.com slash Sports, and you'll be able to see Glenn and his guests uh, tomorrow. I uh, want to remind you also that this past Thursday, was it Thursday? You it had, was Thursday, yes. Thursday you had the coaches show. All the Annual local college coaches. basketball yep. preview, preview show. You can run down the list. Every school in the area, we had them on talking and previewing what they've got coming this upcoming season. I believe five of the seven or eight we had in studio. So if you have the time, be, feel free to check out it on Facebook and uh, watch the whole show again on Facebook.com slash PressBox. Exactly. Or if you just want to listen to the audio, you can go to PressBox.com slash PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. radio. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and you've got a whole week of uh, new and exciting guests that Monday through Friday, 10 to 12. That we do. Looking forward to it. Hopefully coming off of a big Ravens victory. All right. Booker Corrigan will be on with Dom D'Amico, former McDonough coach, legendary McDonough coach with the high school football report on uh, Monday on, at 1230. Yep. Monday at 1230. And that's, I think, about it. Who All you like in the Ravens game? You know, um, for pride's sake, uh, with the with the Ravens being at least not not at all out of it, right? Like they have a yeah. chance in this game, so I'll pick the Ravens because I don't want to pick against the Ravens. I want to go into it feeling optimistic and 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 looking forward to it, which I am. Um, yeah. Anything can happen. Um, I like the Ravens a lot in this football game. I'm not saying I'm not predicting like a 27-10 win, but I think we're going to win the game, and I think we're going to win it like about twenty. 26-17. Very glad there was the bye week before. That's yep. a huge help to the Ravens, and I certainly cannot wait to see what happens in that game. All right. Any other good ones tomorrow? I'm sure there are. Um, the TV one. I know f- there's a good one in the afternoon, but it's not going to be the TV game. I know the Browns are going to be playing the Broncos on the afternoon right. slate, which right. is just lovely. And Joe Flacco out for the season now. Been yes. put, placed on IR. Yes. Uh, I think it's time for Joe to – I mean, he's taken a couple really well, bad hits the last couple of years. All right. Thanks, Kyle Ottenheimer, and uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend. And we want to thank again uh, the folks at Live Casino Hotel because that's why we uh, have the uh, the studio named the Live Casino Hotel Studios. 